Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got Day and Age by The Killers. Will, are you a Killers fan? I am a Killers fan. I'm not as big a fan as you are, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think, obviously, last week we had Rachel Stevens come and get it, which I made very vocal was uh, it was your choice um, and this time I guess this is me bringing one and hopefully hoping that by the end of this podcast you'll be a, a firm fan of Day and Age I do know a little bit so Day and Age was the third studio album um, the kid was released um, back in November 2008 so in fact we're not far off the 10 year anniversary and in fact Spaceman was released 10 years ago this very week wow Spaceman, of course, was the second single, the first being Human. Uh, are you human or are you dancer? Do you know, I always wondered what exactly that meant. And if I'm really honest, I'm still not entirely sure. Perhaps we're going to find out along the course of this podcast. One thing I will point out about the album, it's the first time they'd worked with a, a certain producer. If I give you one guess of who that producer is, could you could you hesitate one? Yes. Welcome to the Stuart Price podcast. <laughs> So yeah, Stuart Price producing after he had previously remixed a few of the band's tracks under his sort of remixing alter ego, Jacques, Jacques Lecon. Is that how we're saying that? Jacques Lecon. Oui. Have we? Do we, do we just talk about Stuart Price albums now? Is that, is that what we do? <sighs> it feels like it. In fact, I think fans of Track by Track, and I'm sure there are some out there who aren't fans of Stuart Price, rest assured, after this week, we're having a month-long break of Stuart Price, aren't we? We're trying to wean ourselves off. Until we come home to him for Christmas. Oh, a Stuart Price Christmas song. Now that is... Then imagine if he did what Phil Spector did back in the 60s, a Christmas album. If you're listening, Stuart, I'm no sure pressure, but you've probably got two months to get something done quickly. Yeah, well, Bob Geldof managed it for Band-Aid. And look what he did. Fed the world. Shall we get started? Let's, with day let's and dive age? in. So, track one to kick us off Losing Touch. losing touch aren't you is that correct with you well <laughs> I was hoping to but apparently these, these podcasts have been reasonably successful so we're going to keep doing them we've got a long 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 list of songs uh, albums sorry to get through what a start to the album it's a good start isn't it what I like about this start is that as we mentioned before Human had been released and Spaceman had been released a couple of weeks before and actually to me it doesn't really sound anything like those it's, it's, it's much more organic sound than those mm. big pop bangers you're right and I for the first 15-20 seconds it did sound like the start of a Pet Shop Boys song yeah the, the chimes would you call them on the keyboard there yes and it was just a bit lighter before obviously things really got going yeah I have to say those the kind of after that Pet Shop Boysy moment there's the the sax and the brass that comes in that's got a real Roxy music sound to me and I think throughout this album actually we are going to hear some more of the killer's influences that 
perhaps they hadn't touched on before. They had Hot Fuss, which a lot of people said sounds like sounded like Duran Duran and the new romantic sound, which to me I never really fully agreed with that. Um, and then Sam's Town, the second album, had the real Bruce Springsteen Americana sound. So yeah, here so far we've got Rocks and Music, maybe a bit of Pet Shop Boys, and who else? But, uh, New Order, not on this track, but I think late, as we go through the album, you'll probably hear a little bit of influence there. I think so. Um, just to go back to what you what you said, just, I loved Hot Fuss. Yeah? I thought it was... Um, I was obsessed with that album when it came out. And to say I don't like The Killers as much as you do doesn't necessarily mean I don't like them at all. And that first album, I don't, I, I, I haven't felt as close to any of their work since. Yeah. And that first album, um, I thought was just breathtaking. It really is a... I'm not saying they've ever had second or third album syndrome because for me, every album is a complete package. Uh, has been fantastic and each very much its own sound. But I think to a lot of Killers fans, Hot Fuss is that is the pinnacle of not the pinnacle of their work is is their masterpiece. Let's say I had to stop myself from saying Hot Fuzz. Yeah, me too. I think I what think came first? Hot Fuzz. Okay, but Hot Fuzz is a good film. Yes, <laughs> um, and if you are at a loose end of an evening, you can normally find it on ITV Two. Yeah, it is on there a lot. Uh, have they done it on Torn Stubs, the trash movie podcast? Boys, if you're listening. Pop it on. Although Shaun of the Dead is the better film of those those three. I quite like the last one. World's, World's End. End. Yeah. Each to their own. Mm. One thing I just want to add on while listening to this opening track, had me, it had me thinking about the track listing of an album. And just a question to you, Will. Do you prefer it when you put an album on and you've heard the first couple of singles and they're the first songs you hear on the album, which can often be the case? Uh, it tends to be the case, I think, actually with more pop, groups than bands or do you prefer to put the album on and hear something brand new like people would have got to hear with this song I like the first track to really just knock your socks off with something powerful something new as well I think track two is the perfect position for um, the lead single well should we pop track two on <laughs> and that wasn't <laughs> at all um, <laughs> lining up the next track but Track number two now is Human. And the lead single. You've got to let me know, are we human? Or are we dancing? My side is vital. My hands are cold. And I'm on my knees looking for the answer. Are we Probably a good time to talk about that lyric there. Are we human or are we dancer? But what does it mean? Well, I've been doing some research on the World Wide Web and uh, I have found this quote from uh, Brandon, Brandon Flowers, the, uh, the band's lyricist and frontman, and these are his feelings of people's confusion and sometimes anger, actually, at the lyrics and the lack of grammatical sense of them uh, he says it's supposed to be a dance song it goes with the chorus if you can't put that together you're an idiot i just don't get why there's confusion about it <laughs> that's me putting my place isn't it <laughs> so you're an idiot that's official according to brandon great song lyrics aside 
it's a fantastic song. Do you, do you remember first hearing that and your thoughts and that having previously loved Hot Fuss? I remember knowing third album, the lead single was about to drop. There was that real anticipation. Have they still got it? What's it going to sound like? Is it still going to be them? But also, is it going to be something new and different? And I think it's safe to say when this did land, it was it was very well received. It was certainly by me. Yeah, I, I seem to remember hearing it on Radio 1, actually. I don't think I've ever really been a huge radio listener, but I remember hearing it on there. I think I remember Radio 1 loving it, and I thought it was fantastic as well. I was a huge fan of both first, uh, both the first and the second album, and this was clearly a new sound to the band, but I also loved, as well as loving Killers and their more India, not India, more indie rocky edge, I really loved polished pop music, and this is clearly their most polished track, or certainly was their most polished track at the time it was released. This song is so polished, you could skid across it in your socks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After it's knocked them off. Also, you know, Stuart Price, as we've... Who? <laughs> He is. <laughs> and of course, we've talked about him collaborating with Pet Shop Boys because sometimes this is also the Pet Shop Boys podcast. But I could imagine Pet Shop Boys covering this song or, or recording it, you know, the killers writing it for Pet Shop Boys. That'd be lovely to hear. Well. Again, boys, if you're listening. Yeah. Any of you. Do something. Make it so. Just do something with your lives. <laughs> do something with your lives. It's probably a good time to move on to track three, single number two, Spaceman. second single off the album um, I was just having a look actually uh, did very well internationally uh, it was a big dance hit as well actually and oh, came really? with a number of remixes from the likes of Tiesto Bimbo Jones and familiar names there. Mm. did Jacques Lacan do you want to be interesting if Stuart Price remixed Stuart Price uh, he didn't but there is a Sander Van Dorn Remix. Now, is that an actual person? I mean, he could be huge and I could just be making a huge fool of myself, but or it could be another assumed name. The honest answer is I have no idea. Uh, he's a Dutch producer, actually, so it's not Stuart Price in disguise. Oh. <laughs> I think just the one moniker is, is enough. But are, are you a fan of the song? Yes, it's a good song. I love the electronic backing and undertones to that as well, whilst at the same time it's um, he's really belting it out. Yeah, I've heard this song live a few times now, and I have to say it... Well, first of all, as soon as it starts, the crowd absolutely lose their mind for this song, and there's lots of jumping. It's quite dangerous out there, really. What, I, what I, as Killer's gig, or just in general, in well, the world, in general, these days? Well, a little bit of both, if I'm honest. Mm. But also, Brandon Flowers' vocal during this song and throughout a Killer set is absolutely flawless. And the same as you, I've loved the band since Hot Fuss, but for some reason I didn't actually get the chance to see them live until, I think it was last year, during the tour for the Wonderful, Wonderful, Wonderful album. 
that's just two wonderfuls, wonderful, wonderful. Mm. And I have since seen them another two times. But yeah, his his vocal is just mind-blowingly good uh, and his range and his the power he has there. And in this song particularly, yeah, he, he knocks it out the park. And there's, there's one word I'd use to describe his voice. Mm. Um, stamina. Yes. I think when you see him sing live, I mean, I've not been fortunate enough, but when you do see him on the telly singing live, you know, he really puts his all into his performance and just the strength and persistence in his vocals are just... Well, they're just to be applauded. Absolutely. He lo- clearly uh, a singer who looks after his voice. There are many, I'm sure, who 10 years into their career after a few few ciggies and things like that weren't sounding quite as good. One thing about this track, actually, I mentioned before the Duran Duran references and the new romantic references that I'd heard a few times before, especially around Hot Fuzz, that I didn't quite get. But on this song, when it breaks down just before the bridge, the bass is kind of taking over a little bit. That really, I really did hear a Duran Duran sound then. It was almost like in Rio when it was a similar thing. Another influence on this whole album, actually, according to Brandon Flowers, was David Bowie. So I think the fact that it's called Spaceman was maybe a little, little tip of the hat to him. Well, of course, the 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 using Spaceman as a as a as a title for a song does remind me of that famous is it Babylon Zoo. Yeah. As featured in the Levi's advert. Yeah, there was a one-hit wonder, if ever there was one. Well, uh, I do believe they followed it up with uh, <laughs> the girl with the X-ray eyes. Oh, really? But I think you're right. They were a one-hit wonder because I couldn't even hum that song to you. Um, yeah. But you can still vividly remember Spaceman, and then it kind of speeds up at the end. Yeah, a number one, wasn't it? Mm. I think the, the the power of advertising. Yes, indeed. Let's go on to track four now. Let's go for a joyride. Funky one you are. <laughs> Do you know who that reminded me a little bit of Franz Ferdinand? Oh, yeah, so it was a bit, saying, I yeah. think more the attitude and the approach to the to the vocals than than anything. But yeah. it's a, a different one actually to the first three. Different the, feel. The lyrics to this one I think are, are more of the storytelling side of the band. Uh, there's something about she was on the sidewalk looking for a nightlife. And I think that's very much not as present in this album as it has been in, for example, Sam's Town, when it's very much clearly an album based in the hometown of Las Vegas. And there are these stories of people. He doesn't look a thing like Jesus and when we were young and things like that. So, yeah, I think this song is more of a more of a story to it. But also that sax that comes in uh, a little way through the song, again, reminds me of Roxy Music. I think there's a few touches of Roxy Music in this album. Uh, and I'm sure they would reference Roxy Music as an influence. Absolutely, yeah, I'm sure. No doubt about that in my mind. But yeah, it's, it, as you said, it's funky. It, it's it's almost got a little bit of a... There's almost a bit of a, like a Mexican feel or something like that, I think, with a kind of a very acoustic guitar, but very upbeat and playful as well. I imagine being sat in the back of an open Cadillac singing my heart out to this song. 
Have you ever done any of those things? Sung my heart out, but... Not sa- not whilst in the back of a... No, in the back of a Vectra, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> With no open top. Uh... Only mine. <laughs> Let's move on to track number five, which is A Dustland Fairy Tale. That one definitely feels like it would have been equally as home in the previous album. Yeah, 100% agree to that. I just scribbled on my notes there. Uh, could have been on Samstown. It's not, I don't think it feels completely out of place here, I have to say. And I think Stuart Price probably adds a little bit of sheen to that that it wouldn't have had on Samstown. Uh, sparkle, you might say. A sparkle, a sheen, a, a, a glimmer of hope. Not that there wasn't hope before. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's, it's very Americana. It's again this kind of the storytelling and the name drops of Cinderella and whatnot in there. It certainly builds up a lot of that song, doesn't it? It does, and it has a classic. It has a killer uh, end to that song, as a lot of killer songs do, because it builds, and then you get this wonderful kind of peak for the last uh, thirty seconds to a minute on the end there. This was released as a single, and it reached the dizzying heights of number one hundred and thirty-seven in the charts. It was a digital-only download, and obviously this was a time, I guess, when there were less digital downloads. Yeah, but they were probably just coming into it then, surely. Because I do remember, actually, when they released the singles from this album, they released four singles, and each one was just a picture of one member of the band in the same style as the album cover, which is probably a good time now to talk about that album cover. But the the fantastic artwork is a good time to talk about it now, actually. So it was Paul Normansell... Who did? Who was commissioned to do four portraits for the album of of the band, and it's the best way to describe it. It's almost a I don't know. It's like almost like a mosaic style. Yeah. Of so many small different colours. And very circular. Very circular, and it is the album artwork is in the same style as well. What was great as well. Oh, sorry to interrupt you there. Did I cut you off? Well, you did, but carry on. Oh, so sorry. It was. Just uh, the excitement, I've actually remembered that around just after this album, they released a live recording of uh, a Royal Albert Hall show, uh, and that had the same um, the same style, but with an image of the Royal Albert Hall, which was very nice. And that would make a lovely stocking filler for Christmas if you were a fan of uh, the Royal Albert Hall. Or the Killers. <laughs> or Mosaics. Or Paul Normansell. Oh, what? Or Paul Normansell. I think it's Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Time to move on. And in the words of Michael Aspel, this is your life. on in that track I love the kind of chanting all the way through in the backing vocals and almost like a march like 
feel as going through that song. The drum beat and that wonderful guitar that comes in as well. Yeah, quite a, quite high pitched that guitar actually, kind of just just chirping along the top there. Yeah, I'm a fan of this song. Um, it's funny we haven't. I think normally in an album we get to a place now where we're saying. Mm, you know, maybe not so keen on this song, but I don't think none of us have actually said that so far, this album. None of us. None of either of us. None of <laughs> the two of us. The, uh, the chanting that you were saying before, uh, for me, it's got this almost sort of, like, African or tropical... Uh, tribal. Yeah, quite a tribal feel to it. And um, I do wonder if that's... We talked about Roxy Music being an influence, and I could well imagine that some of... Paul Simon's eight was Graceland and H's thing could make could well be uh, an influence of Brandon Flowers. Also reminds me of two things, which I'm not quite sure if my brain's a bit broken for reminding me of this. One is the Lion King, maybe again just because it's Africa, but the soundtrack and that kind of tribal chanty thing going on. The other thing is everything, everything's spring, sun, winter, dread from their Get to Heaven album. Are you aware of that one? No, I'm not, but I am going to have a look at it actually. Now you've said it, I think we should. I mean, I'm sure at some point in the future we'll we'll talk about everything, everything in more detail. But yeah, it's a very similar sound to this one. Clearly a favourite of the bands as well, I think, because just going back to that Life in the Royal Albert Hall recording, this song featured very early in the setlist. In fact, it, they opened with Human and then this song, so they must have felt quite positive about it being a good uh, show oh, up yeah. there. Well, I mean, whatever song you perform second at a gig... Is going to be something that you love because it's almost you get the you get the audience and the crowd warmed up with the first track and then you're going to dive in and do something really good. Yeah, not, I, not that your opening track isn't going to be good, but once everyone's loosened up a bit, you've got everyone moving. Yeah, and certainly for a killer set list, you don't want any filler. You want all killer, all killer. Oh dear, that bad. Should we should we move on? Oh dear, yeah. Uh, track seven now. And I've got to go, Dan. I can't stay. <laughs> now there's a majesty at my doorstep And there's a little boy in her arms And we'll parade around without game plan Obligation or love In the dark that a steel drum I heard there at the end? I think... Oh, wow, well, not just at the end. Well, I think it might have been, yeah. It's sort of got a hints of samba in that one, I think. Well, it's it's a funny mix, actually, because there's a bit of a samba feel to it. There's a bit of a Caribbean feel to it. I think there's a bit of a country feel to it as well. Yeah, which actually you can probably pick those out in a little bit more detail on other songs on the album. Uh, maybe some that are yet to come. I was quite interested in that one because of the samba feel. I was kind of more interested in who uh, who else is playing on this album, who else is playing on this track. And there's a, on the percussion throughout the album is a, a musician called Daniel de los Reyes, which is probably how you pronounce his name. <laughs> probably. Um, and I was thinking, surely he must be bringing that influence. Uh, and sure as sugar, he actually, uh, he's played with people like Earth, Wind and Fire, but he also performed with Ricky Martin twice. So I think that's probably... The influence he's bringing to this album. Oh, the sort of Latin influence. Yeah, she bangs, live in La Vida Loca, um, and now I can't stay. I think they're kind of a trilogy of songs. He was a real Lothario, wasn't he, Ricky Martin? Different, different women on the go every week in those in those songs and videos. No, that was before he came out, of course. Came out, came out where? 
The Shadows. Came out as an actor. <laughs> yes. Um... Came out of the Shadows. <laughs> and I'm not on about Cliff Richard's Shadow in either sense. <laughs> so yeah, lovely song. I think I maybe jinxed it before because we talked about not having a least favourite and not mentioning a least favourite, but potentially this might be mine. For me, the energy just does drop a bit here. Yeah. It'd be nice on in the background on a on a on an island somewhere, on a beach maybe with a nice pina colada in my hand, but <laughs> like Ricky Martin. <laughs> <laughs> he bangs. Probably a good time to move on to the next track actually. Uh, Neon Tiger is track eight. hear the name Neon Tiger I think of like a gentleman's club mmm yeah like ti- is it Tiger Tiger uh, it was well, not a gent certainly when I walked past Tiger Tiger there was no gentleman stood outside there so I think we're still in the kind of very middle of the road territory um, with this song and the previous one I have to disagree with you there I'm sorry to say this one ever since the first hearing the album has always been a favourite of mine and I was just thinking about how to articulate that while the song was playing there. As mentioned on previous occasions, we listened to the whole song just to be able to talk about it in as much detail as possible. In actual fact, I can't quite pinpoint why this has always been a favourite of mine, which I realise isn't very helpful. I think I just quite like the playfulness of the lyrics. There's the bridge in the middle where Brandon Flowers sings, Come on girls and boys, everyone make some noise, which is by no means his, his most thought-provoking lyric, but... I just find it a very fun song, and what I really love actually is the beginning, that which almost makes it sound like this is part two of something else, but what is part one? Interesting quote from Brandon himself with regard to this song. He said, um, I was trying to write like MGMT, and it's nothing like them, and it never seems to turn out that way. And he references how he was trying to write like the Arctic Monkeys on Sam's Town, but it didn't turn out that way either. Interesting. That's really nice to hear. I've never heard that quote before. I'm a big fan of MGMT and Arctic Monkeys and The Killers, unsurprisingly. I find it very interesting that I wouldn't have said that this sounded like MGMT and I wouldn't have said that Samstown sounds like Arctic Monkeys, so I agree with him. What this song always does make me think of is the ABBA song, Tiger. And not because it sounds anything like it, but it's just one of those tracks that isn't a, isn't generally a favourite, perhaps, but actually Tiger by ABBA is one of my favourite songs of theirs. And Abra are turning into a bit of a Stuart Price on this podcast, where I think somehow we end up mentioning them every week. But such is their influence in the world of music. Um, yeah. I wonder if Brandon Flowers is influenced by Abra. He must be. He strikes me that he has a very broad interest in, in the world of music and the, the influences that he cites, the styles and themes across his body of work as well, whether he's solo or as part of The Killers, is very very eclectic yeah I have to say actually I did revisit his solo stuff recently and I think it's quite easy to forget that it's out there because he seems to do that as more of a personal project you know just putting a couple, an album out every now and again and obviously then the killers go on to do worldwide huge stadium tours and headlining festivals but yeah the solo albums are really great so do give them a listen 
Okay, so track number nine now, and this is the world we live in. I feel like I need to get this straight out of the way for fear of this becoming the Stuart Price Pet Shop Boys podcast. But those first synths at the beginning, I think, are very... What's that word we use all the time? Quintessential. Quintessential. <laughs> They're quintessentially Pet Shop Boys and Stuart Price, and that is no bad thing. Are you a fan, uh, are you a fan of the world we live in? Yes, I am, and yes, I am. Oh, good. Uh this is a really good track. You're quite right about the influence there. I love lots lots going on again in that one. Love the guitars in that. I love that kind of very low level. Um, I don't know what the noise is in there, but it's kind of present through the whole track. So it's like a whirring or a... Uh, yes, the very low like hum yeah. of a synth and just carrying it along there almost. And I get, this was a single, this is the third single in the UK and Europe. I almost feel like this is one of, probably one of their more forgotten singles. Uh, yes, because it got to 82 in the charts. <laughs> it has always been a favourite of mine, actually. And despite the fact that I agree, I, there's a lot going on in the track. And I was listening um, in the lead up to the chorus, it's sort of almost it has some, like some church bells or some a bell sort of sound going on. And then it is one of those songs where it sounds like it sounds very minimal in some ways but if you really listen to it and you have to almost concentrate on listening you can hear so many things going mm. on which is probably the the genius of a nice rich detail in there rich detail well it's, i couldn't have put it better myself i do have to mention again the the uh, the royal Albert hall recording because i think it's that version of the track that made me appreciate the track all the more so yeah, please do check out that, that album. So, we're down to the final track on the album proper. I love how you say album proper. You've said that a few times and it's never... It's not a phrase or a, a way I would have phrased that, but I, I enjoy it. Well, how would you say it? On the, I'd probably have elongated it and said the proper version of the album or the, the standard version of the album, but I prefer your version, so please do it the track-by-track track proper way. I know that doesn't work. I think I think everyone knows what what we're getting at there uh, by it, now. It wasn't a dig, I have to say. <laughs> so it's time to say good night and travel well. Very, very sci-fi. And there's a bit of meaning behind this track. Well, I'd love to know because I, I, I'm a huge fan of it, but I don't actually know much, much from the background. Well, it's actually um, a tribute to Dave, the guitarist, Mum, who passed away just before they started recording the album. 
Wow. And then layered onto that, Brandon Flowers' mum was diagnosed with a brain tumour. So it really kind of felt like a quite a dark tribute. Not a dark tribute, I guess. More of a, a poignant tribute. Yeah. It's funny, now you've said that, and there's, I can just think of these lines uh, in it. There's, there's nothing I can say now, there's nothing I can do. And in all honesty, hearing the song again, the next time I listen to that song, knowing that's where it came from, will probably... I'd probably feel that song in a different way almost. Completely different to the rest of the album. Yeah. I do think though that there are two ways to close an album. Two ways to correctly close an album, I should say. One is to kind of end it on a real high and leave them wanting more. And the other way is to sort of close the chapter. And I said before about how each Killer's album feels like a, a project in a sound within itself. And I think this really does sort of close the day and age chapter of Killers and I think it's it's very different to the album but I also think it has its place in there as well and it it closes it perfectly uh, but not entirely for us well, so, well for this album yes but I think we want to talk about our further listening tracks now uh, and what was the criteria this week Dan? Well we said blow it let's just choose our favourite song from the entire Killers back catalogue aside from Day and Age of course um, so yeah we've got and the great thing about Killers, actually, is not only have we got four other studio albums to choose from and the various B-sides and remixes that come with that, there is also the Sawdust album, which was um, a sort of a, a rarities album that came between Samstown and Day and Age. There's also, for 10 years, they released a brand new Christmas song every year. And later in the year, we might go into a bit more detail about that. But yeah, lots out there to choose from. Probably quite difficult to narrow down. Uh, Will, what have you gone for? I've... Just we're almost turning into our own cliche here, but I've chosen a Pet Shop Boys remix of <laughs> a Killers song, not just because it's the Pet Shop Boys remix and the Killers, which has just has a lovely cyclical uh, meaning to it, as the Killers would identify and have identified Pet Shop Boys as an influence, but because it's a really good remix of a great Killers song, Read My Mind. Uh, from 2007. And also because Stuart Price engineered the remix, is that right? (laughs) (laughs) No. So this is a little bit from the Pet Shop Boys Stars A Blazing mix of Read My Mind. Now that's a banger. Wow, that's... Um, how long has that gone for? Is that about seven minutes of pure Pet Shop Boys and Killers madness? And a madness involved. <laughs> no, no. It's, I think, like like most good remixes, it still has the heart and essence of the original song, but whoever's remixing it brings their fingerprints and their style to it and you could definitely say that that sounds like a cross between the killers and the pet shop boys yeah because neil tennant's got his bloody vocal on it the same as when he remixed hung up Uh, no (laughs) sorry by madonna bless him though we love neil tennant of course we love him i love him more because he insists on singing over a a remix (laughs) that he does it's like dennis waterman every time he stars in something on tv he sings the theme tune for it but remix the song sing on the song (laughs) 
I just think it's a great it's a great spin on that. The Read My Mind is a great song anyway. It's very upbeat anyway, but I think this just takes it to another level. Yeah. It reminds me of a little bit, actually. Have you heard the Giorgio Moroder remix of Coldplay's Midnight? No. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, I was thinking, actually, recently, we... we, we there's a Coldplay album that I'd like to feature on here because I'm not sure that you're a huge fan of theirs. But I'm not. I'm not a huge. I well, actually I'm not a fan at all. Well, there's a Coldplay album that we will feature <laughs> on here, <laughs> and you will love them. And you will love this remix. I promise you. Um, I just, if you're dangling George A. Marauder in front of me in the hope that I'll go for it, I think it's a little bit old now. <laughs> yeah, really good, great choice. I do love that song. I do love that. Uh, the original of that song read my mind and there's also a more stripped back version of it that I like as well but what about you? you? yeah I'm fine yeah you <laughs> as we said before right at the start actually I'm potentially probably more of a Killers fan than yourself and actually I'd say the Killers are one of my favourite bands of all time probably top five band of all time so I find it very difficult to narrow it down to one song but, but... I have there's a couple of things actually from Battle Born, the album that followed Day and Age, that was maybe their least well received that I wanted to shine a spotlight on, but I haven't gone for that one actually, um, because the one that I would have chose was a single and I wanted to go for a non-single. So what I have gone for is a song from their last album, which wasn't a single, which is called Out of My Mind. Just out of casual curiosity, who produced that track? I'd rather not talk about that, actually. <laughs> it was a, a Stuart Price production. What I will say is, that is the only track on Wonderful Wonderful, the album it came from, that was produced by Stuart Price. And I almost didn't want to choose that song because for fear of us turning into the Stuart Price podcast. However, I do think it's a fantastic killer's ballad that does have that nice pop production on there. It's got a wonderful production to it, uh, very 80s sounding, yeah. almost felt a bit like some of the later stuff Hertz did, actually. Yeah, and I also Who think... also worked with Stuart Price. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could have quite easily sat on the Day and Age album, actually, and maybe fit in a little bit more than some of the tracks that we said were a bit more, some of the more world music sounding stuff. <laughs> World music is a genre. <laughs> it's just a very broad one. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. And I think, you know, in all seriousness, listener, please believe me when I say that we are not going to talk about Stuart Price for the next, potentially not for the rest of the year. But if you are a huge Stuart Price fan... Or if you are Stuart Price himself... Yeah, we will be mentioning him again and going back to his work at some point, I'm sure. We're out of time. No. Yes. Um, so what do you think about the killers what do you think about Stuart Price what do you think about us incessantly talking about Stuart Price and the Pet Shop Boys please let us know at move to trash UK that's on Twitter that's also our Instagram handle but please do hashtag track by track so we know what on earth you're on about what can you tell us 
Will, not only about next week, but the next month of Track by Track episodes. Uh, next week sees the start of Girl Bands Month. Wow. We've got four weeks, we've got four big girl groups coming up. Can I can I take a guess? You can try. Uh, Vanilla, The 411, uh, Clear, and Thunderbugs. <laughs> And if you knew who those four were, then you're definitely listening to the right podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to say anything more because we've got four good weeks ahead of us after the last nine weeks of tut. Um, no, no. <laughs> um, we're looking forward to Girl Band Month and uh, we'll see you then. Yeah, so please do subscribe and Apple Podcasts. And until then, I've been Stuart Price. I've been Brandon Flowers. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.